the first verse is from chapter 3 verse 56 and as to those who believe and do good deeds he will pay them fully their rewards and Allah loves not the unjust. The next verses, verses, chapter 4, verses 148 and 149. And Allah loves, and Allah loves not the public utterance of hurtful speech except by one who has been wronged and Allah is ever hearing and knowing. And if you do good openly or keep it secret or pardon an evil, Allah surely is ever pardoning and powerful. Next one is chapter 5 verse 42. Listeners for the sake of a lie, devourers of forbidden things. So if they come to thee, judge between them or turn them away. And if you turn away from them, they cannot harm you at all. And if you judge, judge between them with equity. Surely Allah loves the equitable. And the last one. Chapter 22, verse 38. Surely Allah defends those who believe. Surely Allah, surely Allah loves not anyone who is unfaithful or ungrateful. <coughs> I have recited these verses to you because I wanted to comment on what Mr. Donald Trump said and that was that all Muslims hate Americans. Well, with respect to Mr. Trump, if you look at history, it tells us it's not Muslims who hate anyone else, rather it's the Americans who hate other people and other nationalities. And it has been so from the very beginning. As we know, Americans were actually Europeans who migrated to United States because in Europe they were being persecuted for their beliefs and their views. So they went to America where they founded a society that was theoretically free of such persecution and such discrimination. <coughs> but the first thing they did was they set about killing the Red Indians, the indi in indigenous population of United States and in fact South America as well, and destroying their culture and way of life. And they did it in a very deceitful and dishonest manner. If you ever go to uh, Florida, I will give you the details 
of a huge park where one of the things you will see is the statue of a Red Indian. He was a Red Indian who could read English, unknown to the Americans. And the Americans, when they moved south, they said to uh, this tribe of Red Indians, well, it's a big country. Why do we have to fight? You live on your land, we live on our land. Let's not kill each other and attack each other. And the Red Indians said, well, that's fine by us. We've lived here for thousands of years without any problems. And if you want to live on the lands that we don't occupy, that's fine by us. So the Americans said, okay, let's write out a treaty. And the treaty was written out in English. And the treaty actually said that the whole of Florida belongs to what we will call white Americans. Red Indians are being allowed to live there because the white Americans feel like it. And whenever the white Americans want, they can herd them into reservations, they can move them to other parts of the United Nations, uh, United States, and other things. Now, as I said to you, there was this Red Indian whose statue is in that park, who could read English, who read it, and who told the Red Indian chiefs what was actually written and what they would be signing. And then when Americans tried to herd them into reservations or force them off their lands into other areas, they'd be told they're breaking the treaty. So when the American generals went to the, uh, this tribal meeting with all the peace pipes and everything, and the Indians said, what does this treaty say? And the Americans repeated what I've already told you. So the Indians asked this man who could read English to stand up and read the treaty out. And he stood up and he read out the actual clauses of the treaty. At which point the American general became very angry and he stood up and he said these famous words to the Red Indians. You are very dishonest people. It's the Red Indians who are dishonest. Why are they dishonest? Because they didn't tell the Americans they had someone who could read and write English and who would know what was actually written in the treaty. This was how the Red Indians were treated by the Americans who migrated there. We know they were given blankets to keep them warm, but those blankets were actually laced with smallpox to try and kill, kill off all of them. And in fact, so many diseases were taken to uh, America by the Europeans, which killed uh, the, the, the native population by the thousand. And now we've got the reverse. They don't want people coming in with diseases because they want to protect their own crops and their animals and their, uh, their own people. But we move on from there. A lot of black slaves were imported 
by the Americans. They went to America and they played their role in the development of that society. You wouldn't have had the cotton fields if you didn't have the huge amount of black labor working there and other industry and farming activities. And we all know how the Americans treated those black slaves. But when it came to the First World War and Second World War, they actually joined the army and they fought for United States and they were maimed and they lost their lives and they were invalided. But when they went back to America, what did they find? They found exactly the same society and the same structure that hated the blacks. KKK is still there. Mr. Trump can't even bring himself to denounce them, to say that this is a racist organization that killed and still kills probably black people and tortures them and humiliates them. Blacks did the same thing in the Second World War when they hope it's two decades and maybe things would have changed when they got back to uh, America. But they weren't treated as heroes. They were treated in exactly the same way. Let's take another nationality. A large number of Japanese migrated to the United States, particularly between the two world wars. When the Second World War started, all of those Japanese, they were rounded up and they were put in concentration camps. They lost their homes, they lost their businesses, their education was destroyed. They were loyal American citizens. They had taken an oath to be loyal to the United States. There was no evidence of any kind that they had any links with Japan or Germany or any enemy of the United States. And yet this country which says that they are proud that there is rule of law herded them all into concentration camps where many died. Many of those died. That's not a lot different from uh, what's happened at Guantanamo Bay. Oh, he is a terrorist. Well, why don't you put him on trial? Oh, we haven't got any evidence. So why is he a terrorist? Why well, he looks like a terrorist. Mr. X of FBI thinks he is a terrorist. What happened to rule of law? If you don't have evidence, and, and we know innocent people were taken to uh, Guantanamo Bay. And the same thing happened. It wasn't the first time, time that this had happened. The same thing had happened to the Japanese. And of course, after the Second World War, United States found another enemy called communism, USSR, United Soviet Socialist Republics. And this phrase, better dead than red, was common throughout America in 50s and 60s. And we all know about the persecution to which 
loyal American citizens were subjected by Senator McCarthy when he carried out this, uh, well, it's called an inquiry. Well, it wasn't an inquiry into un-American activities. So to say that a laborer should be paid a fair wage was communism, it was un-American, and the person saying that should be put in prison. Who did they leave? Charlie Chaplin, a film actor. He was persecuted for un-American activities. Okay, he was just an actor. Offenheimer, the father of the American atomic bomb, was prosecuted and persecuted by these people. I think it was, uh, I forgot his name, but I think it was Fermi, another scientist who worked on this project, who went and gave evidence against Offenheimer. Offenheimer could, a, a, a scientist of the rank of a Nobel, Nobel Prize laureate, laureate, could not get a job teaching high school physics or mathematics. These people, I know Russians uh, rounded up people whom they said sympathized with Americans and they sent them to Siberia. But how is this different? You got a house with a mortgage, you need to buy food, you need to put petrol in the car, and you lose your job because of these perceived un-American activities. And you don't have any money to pay the mortgage or buy food for your family. And you die, and your family dies of starvation. So how is that any different from the Soviet Union sending people they, who they said sympathized with the Americans to, uh, 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 to Siberia and other concentration camps? It was exactly the same. The methods might be different. Those people couldn't get jobs in Russia. These people couldn't get jobs in America. Japanese were incarcerated in these concentration camps in America. These people were put in concentration camps in Russia. But could anyone say that? But no. And of course, now we come to the Muslims. It seems that Americans feel that they cannot be united, that they cannot aspire to anything unless they have someone or something to hate. It was the Red Indians, it was the Blacks, it was the Japanese, it was the Communists, and now it's the turn of the Muslims. So when, when Mr. Trump says or makes statements like, all Muslims hate us, it's not the Muslims who hate you, Mr. Trump, it's you who hate the Muslims, and before them communists, and before them uh, Japanese, and before them blacks, and before them Red Indians. You are the ones who hate people. L listen to the verses of the Holy Quran that I've just recited. The Holy Quran tells Muslims, do not be ungrateful. And we, for example, who are in the United Kingdom and who've been given an opportunity of free education, free health care, etc., etc., we would be being ungrateful, unmuslim like if we were not 
loyal to a government that provided us with these facilities. But what I want to ask Mr. Trump is this. There are now 6,000 6, Sunni Muslims in the American military. Are they all traitors? Is he going to lock them all up? Yes, one or two of them. But that, you don't disband a regiment just because one soldier goes AWOL or turns up for duty drunk. It's interesting that these people who hate Americans fought the British in American War of Independence for their independence, for the Americans' independence. There wasn't one single soldier fighting for the British, although British ruled India. Large tracts of areas where Muslims lived or even as a, uh, being a, a majority. There wasn't one soldier in the British Army, but there were I think about 250 fighting on the side of the Americans to free them from the yoke of British imperialism. Mr. Trump seems to have forgotten that very conveniently. In the American Civil War, 292 Muslims fought on the side of the Union to free the, the slaves. Mr. Donald Trump seems to have forgotten that. Muslims have fought First World War, Second World War, Vietnam War, Gulf War, Iraq War and Afghanistan. I mentioned two names, Captain Hamayu Saqib, who was given a purple uh, heart and highly decorated, and Sergeant Wasim Khan, who was invalided out when he lost his uh, leg in an RPG attack in Iraq. His entry says he was awarded the number of medals too numerous to mention. And he was fighting on the side of the Americans. And you were telling Sergeant Wasim Khan that he hates America and Americans and he's not a loyal American citizen. What about Congressman Keith Ellison? who's been a congressman since 2006. And every time he's gone back for an election, he's been elected with a greater majority. Does he hate you as well? Is he not a loyal American? The oath that he took on the Holy Quran to be loyal to America, are you challenging that oath? Are you saying this man is a liar and dishonest? What about Carson, who was elected from Indiana. Is he also in the same boat? Does he hate Americans as well? It is you, Mr. Trump, who are creating an atmosphere of hatred between different communities living in the United States. And I, I have to say, it may be, it may be, because Muslims in the United States are more successful than those who already live there. 30% of Muslims finish four years of college. 20% of other Americans finish four years of college. If you look at normal population, 1.1% have doctorates. 
1.6% from among the Muslims have doctorates. About, I think, 17% of Americans have bachelors or a masters. Nearly 22% of Muslims in America have a bachelors or masters. It seems to me that Muslims don't hate the Americans. It's the fact that people like Mr. Trump are afraid that if Muslims actually live up to the tenets of their religion, like the things that I mentioned here, someone comes to you, he is the worst person in the world, and he asks you to judge. He doesn't accept your prophethood. He doesn't accept God. He does every bad thing. But he says, judge. What's a Muslim told to do in the Quran? Judge with justice. Judge with fairness. It doesn't matter who it is. These are our values, which I'm pleased to say have been adopted by Britain. This is why I say Sharia is here, deal with it, and America. But <clears throat> the non-British values are those when there is rendition of people to far-off places without there being any evidence at all that they are a danger or they are a terrorist. I went through security at Heathrow. I was taken aside for special checking. Next flight, same thing. Next flight, same thing. Fourth flight, <coughs> the same thing. Spread over a period, obviously. Fourth time, I lost my rag because the person who took me aside said, the computer randomly decides who's going to get security checking. And I said, I'm very surprised that the computer randomly doesn't pick me to give me a hundred million pounds from the lottery. And I'm amazed that I've gone through this four times and every time you were picked me out, I said, I wouldn't have said anything if you hadn't used the word, this is random. It's not random. You're picking on me. You're picking on a Muslim. I've got a Muslim name, Aziz. I've got a brown skin. And I said, now I will not let you search me until you call your manager and I make a formal uh, protest and a formal complaint that the way you work this system is racist and it's discriminatory. The manager came, I made a formal uh, a complaint and so on, and guess what? The same computer hasn't randomly picked me for special checking and clearance since that day. And we put up with it. We are putting up with it, with patience. But even if we speak and say that you are discriminating against us, you tell us that we hate you. Why? Do we not, Mr. Trump, did you say anything about the white man who punched a black person at one of your rallies, knocked him to the ground and said, next time I see him at a Trump rally, I, I will kill him. This is a criminal offense. He's openly saying that in public. Was this white man arrested? No, he wasn't. 
Was the black man arrested? Yes, he was. We don't hate anyone. Uh, the teaching of the Quran is that you don't hate anyone. The Quran tells us that even if you hate people, make a decision that is just and fair. Do not unjustly treat anyone. But we will not be silenced. We will not be silenced by your fear mongering. We will not be silenced by your threats. We do not hate anyone. What we want people to know is, Mr. Trump, that it is you and your supporters who hate us. And what they hate most of all is that we don't cower, we don't give in, we don't silently accept the persecution and the humiliation that is meted out to us. It doesn't matter what you do. We will not accept it. We will speak and we will shout and we will demand our rights and a fair treatment, while at the same time saying to the extremists that you are criminals and if you are caught, the full force of law should be brought against you.